You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I am your host, nurse practitioner Claire O'Brien. And today I have Hillary Sadler. She has actually been on the podcast before when she first started her business called Baby Sadler. Uh, Hillary is a nurse. She's got her master's in nursing. She's an IBCLC, which we're going to talk a lot about today. And I asked Hillary to come on because there's a really interesting controversy, if you will, recently in her little niche. Well, it's not a little niche. It's actually like a, a global niche. So, and we're going to talk about it, but Hillary, thank you for coming back. Welcome. And just get, kind of give us a little intro and tell us who you are and, and what is an Abbey CLC. <laughs> sure. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back again. I am a mama four. I, my background in nursing is labor and delivery, a little bit of postpartum and then working inpatient in the hospital as a lactation consultant with well babies. And then also with moms and babies in the NICU. I've been doing that for almost a decade. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, I'm sorry, rewind three years ago, almost four years ago, I left the hospital and started my own private practice, Baby Settler in Charleston, South Carolina. And then over the years have grown it into a digital community on Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest. Wrote a book. Wrote a book, right. Two books. Two books. (laughs) Actually, the second book is really just a major update from the first book, including a lot of what happened with my fourth baby. And just as I've grown over the years, the new information that I have come into and just really trying to grow my practice as a nurse and then also as a lactation consultant. So IBCLC is International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. I feeding specialist, I went into that role because I really wanted to help moms that were like me um, who We're trying to do a lot of different things, including breastfeed their child. And I felt there was a huge Mm -hmm. need for a different kind of support from lactation consultants that I never felt like I had. And I felt like a lot of the moms that I was working with in the hospital um, and then really getting the calls, working as an inpatient lactation consultant, I would get calls from moms on the warm line after they've been discharged with just a lot of questions. And I just felt like there was a huge gap for the kind of support that Baby Seller offers. And that's why Baby Seller was born. No, it's so it's so true. So Hillary reached out to me a few years ago. We've known each other for a long time. And she just said, I think I'm I think this is what I'm gonna do. This is kind of what I'm seeing. You know, you that's how most great businesses start. You see a, a gap in the market and a need that most of us, you know, feel like, gosh, I, I really could have used this. And as a mom who has breastfed two babies, and so <laughs> I mean, I have medical background. I have also, you know, multiple medical degrees, and so does my husband and my dad and my brother and my father-in-law and I love my OBGYN and my pediatrician, but I will never forget having my first baby and being like, who in the hell is supposed to be helping me with breastfeeding? Because it ain't none of these people. And I, I like, I, (laughs) I, I saw lactation consultant in the hospital kind of briefly, but then you go home and it's just, it's absolutely the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, labor schmaber. I would labor a thousand times again, which I know is not the story for everyone, but 
Breastfeeding is literally the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I've had brain surgery and I would rather do mm-hmm. that again than breastfeed a newborn. So just putting that up. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. And outpatient lactation, like what you experience in the hospital with the lactation consultants in the hospital is so different than once you get home those first initial days when you get home. Right. It's just, and me too. Like I, my mom was a labor and delivery nurse and now she's a nurse practitioner working in an OBGYN office. And, you know, my stepdad was an ER physician and just like a family of medical people. But when I had my first child and even having my fourth child, I still needed the help of feeding specialists and IBCLCs to really help me because sometimes with my fourth child, when you're in it, you, you really need somebody that's not in it to kind of see the bigger picture and help you. So there's, they play a really, they play a really important role for postpartum moms for sure that a lot of other people can't fill. A lot of other healthcare providers can't necessarily fill. And I will say it because I'm sure I'm sh- I'm sure that you don't want to say it, but I will just say <laughs> maybe you do, I don't know. I will just say this. The the feedback and the kind of conversation that I've always heard around lactation consultants is like there's no warm or in the middle. It's either the person that I had was absolutely unbelievable or this lady made me feel like human garbage, shame, trauma, like there's, it's like there's no in between. So, and I don't know if it's kind of the older school thinking and, and listen, no one in the medical community is going to deny the benefits of breastfeeding. But that being said, you know, there has to be, and I think is uh, a a little bit of a shift now to just knowing we have to do what's best for mom and baby at the same time. And that is not always breastfeeding, but that's probably what I think you secretly subtly might want to say. It's like some of the, some of the lactation consultants out there, it is rough. I mean, it it can put women in a really dark place. I mean, for example, with my first baby, I was completely turned off, but my first experience with a lactation consultant made me not use them after I left the hospital. So like, I'm, Mm. you know, I had my first baby really young. I was 23 years old. My, I'm in the room, all the family's in there. I've never, I'm not a nurse at that point. So I'm super modest because, you know, first baby, not a nurse. And the LC walks in the room with two nursing students, one of which is a male and just comes right. Yes. Didn't, did not ask. Did not ask my permission, which Nar. is a huge not okay. Like, that is not okay. And I learned that in nursing school. Like, that's first step, wrong step. I'm walks upset. in my room, walks over to me, doesn't even acknowledge my husband, which is a huge, like, dads are part of it, too. This is their child, too. Like, I have a yeah. huge issue with any any healthcare provider that is singling out just mom, but specifically like when you're talking about the family unit and baby, like dads are there too. You need to have a conversation with them too, but that's a story for another day. But I remember she came over and she starts like unsnapping my gown and it's like, let's get that baby skin to skin. And I'm just like, and so I'm like, wait a minute, asking my family to leave the room, first of all. And then yeah, I'm not trying to do that with like my dad in the room. Oh, I'm just not. So, I'm sorry. Yeah, No. So they leave. And then again, this male nursing student, and I just completely shut down and I just wanted her out of the room as soon as possible. Like ask no questions. Yep. Yep. Okay. And she's like, you know, we need to do biologic nursing where you just lay back and have your chest exposed and just let the baby sit there. And 
he'll self-latch and, you know, and all that. I mean, it was at that point in time, I was like, I am never using a lactation consultant again. And I feel really confident that a lot of moms have had similar experiences or felt the same way I felt, even if it was a different scenario. So when I became a lactation consultant, I used to I literally used to give, I'd walk in and see a mom and, you know, I would say, I just want to let you know, I promise I'm not like all those other lactation consultants. I literally said that. Like I had a hard time being associated with being called a lactation consultant because of what I have heard other moms have experienced. And then also what I've experienced in the past. I think that's kind of what you were referring to. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And, and then there absolutely is the other end of the spectrum, like hundred percent where, you know, plenty of, of women have had beautiful experiences with lactation consultants who have gotten them through a really dark time. And so it, it, it certainly works both ways. And listen, I think you can say that about essentially anything in medicine and probably most fields, but like, I'm sure there are people who have had unbelievable nurses and terrible nurses and unbelievable physicians Mm -hmm. and terrible physicians. You know, it's, it's not, I don't think we're doing, you know, singling out lactation consultants in, in that it's, I, I think that's very common in all of medicine. I just want to be really clear about that. But you know, today that's just what, what we're talking about yeah. is lactation, lactation consultants. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's super helpful to, to have that experience. And, and there are a lot of things too, I will say that in medicine, I think you don't, and you probably realize this as a labor and delivery nurse, there's a, a lot of things you can't really fully empathize with someone until you've experienced some of it. You know, I worked in surgery for 10 years before I realized, like had surgery uh, significant enough myself to really realize like, oh gosh, like this is what my patients are going through. So it's hard. It, it, it takes a lot, but. Um, Absolutely. Okay. So you started Baby Settler and that went really well. Yeah, we I I believe that it went well because it wasn't just about breastfeeding. It's never been just about breastfeeding. Baby Settler has always been about helping parents and moms really navigate feeding, whether that is breastfeeding, bottle feeding, combo feeding, whatever feeding looks like, and then helping them understand the connection between feeding and sleep. Because really in the newborn days, in the first six to 12 weeks, feeding and sleep, there's lots of other things that are important. But for mom and baby, like those are the two primary problems that crop up. And the the good thing is, is if we can get feeding down and come up with a plan for mom and for the family and feeding is going well, then sleep usually is also going well. So we really try to make that connection. And and that's that's always been the mission of Baby Settler, whether that's through our online guides or our book or when we're doing consults for family, like that's really what we've always been about. And you have other consultants that work with you? Yeah, we do. So there are about five other consultants on the team that, and they're all registered nurses. So we have that, you can be an IBCLC without being a registered nurse. And okay. we we do have a speech language pathologist who's also an IBC on our team, IBCLC on our team. And we brought her on so that she could help us with more complex feeding aversions with bottles and things like that. I was going to say, that's like, actually perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there are, yeah, there are also issues with bottle feeding. So we think she's a huge asset to our team. Um, but when we're talking about routine and sleep and breastfeeding and ment- mom's mental health, we feel like having a, yeah. being a registered nurse 
and an IBCLC is really a killer combo because we're looking at more than just breastfeeding. Uh, We're really looking at the whole package. Yeah. And I saw a physician friend of mine got her IBCLC the other day. She's a pediatrician. I thought that was really interesting too. Like that's really cool. My brother is a pediatrician um, and he, sorry, he actually hired a lactation consultant for his office, which I, because again, like when I, we all had this conversation, like, you know, when I was having my babies and I think him having his own children helped him really realize too, again, like, holy crap, like we are not, I'm not trained for this as a pediatrician, but it's a huge problem in my office. So he has a lactation consultant that works in his office, but Okay. Now tell me, let's just, we'll just get into it. You have a great social media platform. It's super helpful. You put out great advice. You know, I know it's helpful for tons of women and families and with your, and just stop me and correct me when I'm wrong with your fourth baby, you decided to formula feed at some point and you then did a, a video or a partnership with a formula company. Is that right? That's right. So I, my fourth baby, going to try to keep it brief, but he, of yeah. course, I thought, oh, I'm, you know, I've, <laughs> I've helped thousands of moms with breastfeeding. I was pregnant. I just it's had my this. Job. I, yeah, I had this idea of this is going to be, I even remember telling my husband, this is going to be like the best breastfeeding journey I've ever had. Like, it's going to be so easy. I'm going to have plenty of milk. I had absolutely no concerns that things were going to go well with my fourth child. Well, he was born, he was placed on my chest and immediately he opened his mouth and he literally couldn't move his tongue. Like it was tied to the floor of his mouth. So worst tongue. Okay. T- he is to date. He is the worst feeding baby I have ever worked with in my life. And wow. our team. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm still, I'm still looking for that baby. That's going to be worse than be Clay worse was. Than that one. Gosh. Yeah. But um, our team jokes that, you know, God gave you that baby because there was still a lot for you to know, you know, and, and it's so true over he's 19 months old now. And all the research that I did, I basically went into research mode for my whole maternity leave, like looking at all the things and I've been able to bring that forward into my practice and really help so many more babies and moms than I would have if I hadn't had the experience with clay, but he had a significant tongue tie he also had laryngospasms in the first week of life. So yeah. he was like having apneic events and turning blue. Like it was super scary. That's I don't terrifying. like the tongue. Uh, yeah. It usually doesn't yeah. happen after the first 24 to 48 hours, but it did happen for my child. Yeah. And so there was a lot of stress. He had COVID at six weeks. He had RSV at 10 weeks. Like, gosh. It, yeah. It was just, there was a lot of stress, stress involved. And so stress coupled with my body not responding well to the pump coupled with him not really being able to even feed from a bottle the first six weeks. If I hadn't been a feeding specialist and really known how to support him with bottle feeding, he probably would have had a really hard time. I mean, he would have had a really hard time, but he didn't because we made sure he got the volume in a bottle. And I ended up breastfeeding combo feeding with him through 10 months. So we did some direct breastfeeds. I did a lot of pumping we got to a point where I absolutely could have breastfed him every feed if I wanted to, but what that would have looked like was a low transfer volume at the breast. So he would have only transferred, you know, two ounces at the breast. And we know based on weight that babies need when they're over 12 pounds, they need at least 23 to 24 ounces in 24 hours to gain weight at an adequate ra- right. weight. 
So that would have been me feeding him around the clock. Constantly. Yeah. Every two hours. And I didn't want to do that. And then also I have three other kids, my husband, sleep, job, like all the things. It just, it would have, life would have looked so different for our family if I had done that. So that's where formula entered. And I entered, I brought formula in early on. Um, He got formula pretty much right away because my milk didn't even come in for like seven to 14 days. It was, you know, did y'all clip his tongue tie or did somebody clip his tongue tie? We did. Yeah. We had his yeah. tongue tie clipped yeah. um, at five days old. In yeah. hindsight, if I had to do it again, I probably would have done a little more oral motor therapy and then some body work with a OT or PT earlier before I clipped the tongue tie just because I felt like in the first two weeks of life, newborn's mouths are just so tiny and they're also just, they can be really tense just from being burned and born and learning how to feed and mm-hmm. so if I had to do it again, I would have done that differently. But he still would have ended up with his tongue tie clipped. Clip, I mean, it was yeah. no question. He could not move his tongue. <laughs> and people used to, people, I mean, I so I used to work with one of the pediatric folks in the ENT department. And it is so sad because moms would be so worked up about clipping a tongue tie, thinking that's like a major surgery or like a big deal. Y'all, we literally, I don't know who did yours or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is, we could do another podcast on predatory tongue tie dentistry. I will not go into that right now, but I have a lot of, a lot of thoughts. Yeah. But y'all literally, you take a pair of surgical scissors, lift their tongue up and you go, and that's, Mm -hmm. that's it. That is it. It takes seven seconds. If that you hold it with a little piece of gauze and that's it. Yep. And there's, you know, there's always the anterior versus the posterior tie and there's so many different tools, but I always say the expert is in the the hands of the person who's doing it. It's not the right. tool. Like right. you want the expert hands doing the release, not the fancy new thing that they came Laser out with. Laser and right. whatever. Like it's, right. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. So it's stressful, I know, but you, you could just get it done. Yeah. Like you said, you yeah. would have ended up there anyway, which is, it's stressful, but you can do well, it. you know, there's lots of opinions on tongue ties now. The New York Times put out an mm-hmm. article. Did you see that article? It was uh, maybe a was month that, or so. Ago. Uh, was that the one about predatory dentistry? Is that the one we're talking about? Um, it I was kind of like an o- not. Re- it didn't speak directly to dentistry. No, it was kind of an okay. overarching like tongue tie article. So, I, yeah, I think that might be what I'm talking about. But I'm putting yeah. dentistry on there. I'm sorry, dentist. I love yeah. dentists. <laughs> I love them. Lots of cavities. Get them filled all the time. Love a dentist. Love a good teeth cleaning. Oh my Uh, goodness. I want to tell you guys about my favorite supplement company, Thorn. Our family personally uses several of their products. So I use their collagen in the morning, and then I use a few things that were recommended by my headache doctors. The reason we use Thorn is they are so high quality, highly tested. They don't have fillers like so many other supplement companies do. They have partnerships with hospitals and organizations all over the country, like Mayo Clinic, Medical University of South Carolina, the UFC, huge athletic organizations. So if you are looking for high quality supplements, I always recommend Thorn. You can get 15% off any Thorn products by going to Thorn, that's Thorn with an E, thorn.com slash U slash Dabbleco. Create an account and you'll get 15% off and free shipping every time. I'll put that link in the show notes. We were talking about because 
your your fourth baby, you did you did formula and like you said, pretty quickly and kind of then where this the this whole controversy mm-hmm. came from. I'm sure people are probably like, what is the controversy? So yes. I mean you you did you did a paid ad with a formula company on on Instagram, which and I, the reason why I even know knew that this was happening, I feel like Instagram right now, like I don't see who I want to see anymore. Like if you want to see somebody, I now agree. you have to like turn on their post notifications. It's totally absurd. But I one day saw like a post or a story from you that was an apology. And I was like, Hillary, like what the hell, what has she ever done that's controversial? Like what is happening? So I immediately like texted Hillary and I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm sure that you didn't do anything wrong. Like, I'm just saying, like I already knew before you even had told me what was happening. I was like, there is no way that this girl did something as like, unethical or like, I mean, I've known you for years and I know your business model and you've met with, you know, my husband about how to do things the right way and ethically and grow the right way and all this stuff. I mean, it's just, I I know who you are. So I immediately was like, this is shenanigans. But anyway, tell me, tell the people kind of the the deal. I think the hard thing, I, it was a huge learning experience for me and our team at Baby Settler. So our intention behind it was to educate people on formula. So the different types of formula, how to prepare formula. Our team spent a lot of hours working with this formula company to come up with content that would be primarily educational. But this this initial post was just introducing my story. And for people who didn't know my story, because Clay is, you know, like I said, he's 19 months old now. So this was in the past. So we wanted to kind of tell people how I used formula to prolong the amount of time that my baby got breast milk. And I felt, I feel really passionate about that message because Mm -hmm. breastfeeding is not all or nothing, you know, and there's a lot of things that go into that. So a lot of, right. like you said earlier on, a lot of moms and a lot of lactation consultants make moms think that formula is terrible. They don't want to talk yeah. about it. It's a bad word. And they don't really help them navigate this combo feeding world or even just, yeah, I always tell a mom when I'm working with her, here's plan A, but we can come up with plan B, C, and D. Like this is not, you're part of this Love and that. we can come up with whatever plan you want to have. So that was my intention behind the post. On social media, you always have to do that paid partnership tag. And I think a lot of people just, a lot of people in the IBCLC community saw that and then saw the Mm -hmm. paid and they immediately had in their mind what they thought the narrative was. And we just, we weren't weren't thinking about that. We were thinking about what it truly was to us. Mm -hmm. And it, to people that were kind of outside, that don't know us, it appeared differently. One thing that I do, I was apo- what I was apologizing for was not being transparent in that the formula that I was promoting that I stand by and feel like is the best American made formula product. on our market, the product uh-huh. was not available to me at the time that I needed formula. It was not available. Had it been available, I would have probably made a different decision. But even so, what I'm recommending recommending today, if something, hopefully we're always improving products, right? Like hopefully right. we're always growing to learn more and we're, there's always going to be improvement and things that are out there. So I don't ever, I wouldn't ever want to recommend something that I used just because I used it. You if used I it, know, right. If I know there's something better out there. 
But regardless of that, there was lack of transparency on my part and baby settler because the video that went with the storyline, we used video that was from Clay's infancy and Mm -hmm. it was not the formula that I was doing this partnership with. And I do apologize for that. And I feel really bad. and, And we've learned from that. And I am committed to growing to making sure that any video content that's out there matches the storyline. So it's hard. I mean, that I still to this day, like I feel really bad about that part of it. But in the moment, that was not like I wasn't trying to be tricky or I wasn't trying to. Did you you say this is the formula I used with Clay? No, I didn't. No, it was I didn't. Okay. Okay. I think it was just people. Yeah. No, I didn't say that. I never said I mean, even I think going back to like the way that you posted it. So you, one of the first thing you said is, you know, when you post a paid partnership on social media, you're supposed to use that paid ad branded thing, blah, blah, blah. I don't know the percentage of people that influence that actually use that paid partnership button, but it's pretty freaking low because mm-hmm. it's a hundred. We're, t- we're all 1099 contractors. It's a hundred percent on me, the creator like even even speaking from the business side, when we work with someone who's a paid influencer for skincare or Botox in my or ZMN in my world, but yes, we put it in the contract and we tell them what to do. But like ultimately, it's up to them to follow the SEC guidelines on you know is it SEC what's the word FC FCC. <laughs> FTC, a, God bless yeah. it. FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, like FTC, yes, Securities okay, yes. and Exchange. That's not right. Yeah, so yeah. it's the FTC guidelines about like you're supposed to hashtag paid or ad or gifted or whatever and use the thing. And I'm like, the fact that you even said that it was a paid partnership in the first place is like putting you in my book in top tier ethical influencing in the first place. But okay, so my very limited understanding because that then once you kind of told me what was going on, I, I started like looking around and trying to figure out like what people were so upset about. And I'm just going to give my kind of take on what I, I felt like I was seeing. So my, okay, my understanding and you feel free to be like, no, my understanding as there's this code of ethics that IBCLCs follow that was developed like, I don't know, 40 years ago. Is that right? Like in the 80s? 1981. Yes, 43 years ago mm-hmm. by probably, let's just call it what it is, probably a bunch of white dudes. Like, I don't know, maybe there were some women involved. Who's to say? But it, let's just look at history. And I did have a couple people say, like, it has been updated, you know, here and there. But like, the reality is the the world is changing so quickly. There's no way that it's, it's as up to date, you know, it, as it could be just with social media and everything changing. But part of that code of ethics has to do with the advertising of non-breast milk substitutes, I guess Mm -hmm. is what they call it. And that, that is where people just went ham. Yes. Yes. So the research that I have done, it actually has not been updated since 1981. There are there were some meetings that kind of suggested some some updates, but if you go to the WHO website and look it up, it, uh-huh. it says that it has not officially been updated since 1981. 
Mm. Also, some other points are the WHO code has not been adopted by the U.S. And the IBLCE really says that adherence to the WHO code is highly encouraged, but it is not a requirement. So the WHO is the WHO or the The World World Health Health Organization? Yes. Yes. So as a IBCLC, the IBLCE is encouraging, it's strongly encouraging that I adopt the WHO code. And, And so that's where the violation happened in the eyes of the IBCLC community. And I, I am sorry for violating that code. I still am, you know, I still have this moral and ethical, like personal, I'm still sitting with that because I'm not really I sure. Know, like, are you sorry mm-hmm. for violating that code? I mean, I don't feel like you should be personally, but I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm not an IBCLC, yeah, it's but a I hard, don't. It's a, I, like, I don't, the who code, if I sat down and I look at it word for word, I just, I, I'm not in alignment with everything that it says, you know, yeah. and that's where the ethical obligation, obligation really starts. And right. You know, it's a question of, am I going to follow my own moral compass and my own ethical guidelines, or am I going to adopt something that adopts someone else's, you know? Well, it feels like blindly following something mm -hmm. that simply, and that was a response that, of course, I jumped in the the comments because that's what I do. But (laughs) I, I felt like all the responses that I was getting was like, well, this is what the code says. Like, this is what, it's what it says. The code says this. It's like when your mom is like, because I said so, you know, and that, that to me is just blindly following something. And I, and I think now you, you had a ton of support too, but it's obviously always the squeaky wheels are the, the loudest voices are the biggest dissenters. You know, it's like no one typically gets on Google and leaves like a five-star review, they're going to leave like a one-star because most mm-hmm. people are ha- that are happy just go home and ha- they're happy. So, you know, not many people jumped in and made, you know, positive response videos. Well, also that doesn't get engagement, you know, Let, like, let's right. be honest. It doesn't. Yes. And so, yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, I've never been someone that follows our team <laughs> is our logo at baby Settler is a sheep. And like, we love our logo, but we always say like, we're not sheep, <laughs> yeah. but our logo is a sheep. So I don't know what we do with that. Um, it's related to sleep, but. Maybe it can be a lamb. Maybe it's a, a lamb. lamb. Okay. It's a lamb. You're, but you're, you guys I, are lambs. when I was talking to my mom about this, she's like, you know, you always, you never have been a follower, even since you were a toddler, you always ask why. And that's really the position that I try to challenge parents to be in when you're making decisions. I feel like if you're always asking why and really going deeper and like looking for root cause, it's going to serve you really well. Mm-hmm. I deal with a lot of moms that are angry or frustrated at, you know, what's happened in the past, either related to birth or, you know, their breastfeeding journey or or whatever. And a lot of the times it's because they feel like they didn't have a say or they weren't truly informed of the options or, you know, the list could go on and on. And I think if you approach things with asking why and really not just doing something because somebody says this is what you're supposed to do, that that can serve you really well. And that, yeah, so that's that's kind of how I feel about this WHO code. Well, and I think too, you know, there's some other really good real world examples of that. You know, 
it's very common you'll hear in, in medicine often. As professionals, we might cite our professional organizations for recommendations. However, I might also say like the American Academy of Pediatrics is such a good one, particularly for this audience. There are recommendations that they have made in the last five to 10 years that are absolutely batshittery. Like they now mm -hmm. are recommending baby sleep in your room for a year. I'm sorry. On I just did a post planet? on that. I just did, did a you? post on that. Yeah. Okay, so good. I did a post on, I moved my baby to their room at seven weeks because of X, Y, Z. I went against the American Academy of Pediatrics recommendation. I'm not telling right. you to not listen to them, but I'm telling, and it was so, that reel went viral and all the comments, it's like all these moms just took a big deep breath and were like, oh my gosh, oh, I did it too. God. I'm so glad. Like I'm validated, yeah. you know, validated and cause you're right. You're it's, absolutely it, and right. It's, it's all places in medicine. I mean, I don't keep up with a, as much anymore. Like I, being in a, now in aesthetics, we don't, <laughs> there's not as many like hot take, like opinions that are put out. Cause there, there's not like a one, you know, aesthetic medicine society guidelines. It's, it's different, but like, you know, when I was in ENT and surgical oncology, there were, you know, a, very strong opinions that, that would come out and, it's like, you know, you use them. It's just where, like you said, your your ethical code comes in, but also your personal experience, your professional experience. I personally want a healthcare provider that can think critically and not simply blindly follow the recommendations of their organizations. I mean, these organizations are also businesses, you know, the World mm -hmm. Health Organization is a business. Is it a nonprofit? Sure. Is it also a business? Yes. Same with the AAP. I mean, there's even there's even a huge debate right now about boards, you know, medical boards and how it used to be you take your boards once and you pass and then you're good. And then they said, no, now we want you to retake them every 10 years. Now every five, now every two. Well, guess what? Your boards are several thousand dollars every time you take them. And it's a business. And at, at the end of the day, I, I do, I, I want a healthcare provider who is, keeping up with the latest data and research, but also, you know, but and. And and we're really so many things in life right now are this way where there's no nuance anymore. I mean, it's like you're either for us or against us. You're either for breastfeeding and an IBCLC or you're or, or you're pushing, shoving formula down our throats. Like there's no in between. Right. Yeah. And that's alienates specifically speaking about lactation and the IBCLC community that really is not what's best for our moms because that mentality right. is going to alienate so many people, especially now that research is showing that mothers are turning to social media for health information. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to look very far to find all the research that says right. that that is because, and that's why we're showing up in this space, right? Um, right. It's, it's crazy that it is such a polarizing topic and, I think there needs to be a lot more talk about more than just breastfeeding. And do you feel like you were, I was thinking about like, what, what am I going to call this episode? And I was like, canceled by my own community. Like, do you feel yeah. like that's kind of what was happening? Like canceling by your own community? Absolutely. I feel like, honestly, I don't feel like I've ever been part of that community. Um, mm -hmm. Looking back on social media and the baby seller account is, will be four years old this May. Mm -hmm. They've never, like all the people that showed up on that 
post, they've never engaged with any of our content in the past. So these are all people that I don't even know, like I've never heard from them. They've never shared any of our content. So yeah, I feel like I was canceled by a community that I've never been a part of, that they were kind of waiting for me to, and we did, I will say there were two IBCLCs that DM'd me in a respectful, professional way and said, Hey, like, I just want to share my point of view. And I so appreciated that. And really their professional perspective and the way that they handled that, I really sat with it. And I really, really did some deep reflection. And that's ultimately what got me to where, where I am now. And I appreciated that, but everyone else, I felt like I was just you know, completely like a sitting that like they were waiting for me to take a wrong step so that they could jump in and then they could then turn it into something that benefits them. I mean, it was, it was a really, and it was in December, like it was a really hard month. I remember I was walking through Whole Foods and I, I would, I felt like people were just like looking at me, like you're the worst person ever, you know, like these people don't know me, they don't know me, Yeah, but I, it really makes you that kind of cancel culture and just the things that women who are supposed to be supporting women, specifically IBCLCs, the way, the things that they said, and it reminded me of being in middle school and high school and just... What were some of the worst things that were said? Oh my gosh. I've got, I I can't even, I honestly, like when I just talking about this right now, I just have... (laughs) Yeah, I just have like a sick feeling. Like I just Ugh, feel Yeah. I mean, I was literally questioning, am I a terrible person? Like is this am I? Yeah. And so I really took the time to self-reflect, but I mean, one person said something like, "I hope you what did she I can't remember word for word, but the comment was, "I hope that you they paid you a lot of money because and you can still afford to pay your mortgage because you're about to be out of job. Like just the threats that were reporting you to, you know, and I was telling my husband about this. And then my 12 year old is like, mom, are we going to lose our house? Like, no (laughs) boy, just so you know, daddy's the one (laughs) baby Sadler does not pay our mortgage. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You you know, I just felt so, I felt so it it caused real anxiety for my family. Sure. And for, it really impacted my mental health and it was a learning experience, but that, yeah, that mean, that mean girl's mentality is just not, it was disappointing. It was really disappointing uh, because I just feel like any interactions that I've had with the lactation community on social media has been overwhelmingly negative. And it's been due to the nature of my content and my content, not really doing this breast is best narrative. Like it's, it's so much more than that. Yeah. Well, and it's, I, you know, it's hard, like again, back to nuance, right? So I saw a lot of comments saying that like the reason that this code exists is, you know, to protect, to protect breastfeeding, which I understand because there was, I think when formula first came out, there was this huge, you know, shift to formula because frankly, because women were like, hell yeah, like this sounds great. Like, absolutely, I'll use formula. Well, then, of course, the pendulum has to swing the other way that we realize like, okay, well, that's probably actually formula is not the devil, but the benefits of breastfeeding are are very clear. And so then, you know, it takes education a long time to catch up to advertising, unfortunately, because 
here's an, another thing that's I, I find so interesting. Education is often free, like especially social media. Mm-hmm. No one pays me for the educational content I put out. Now, does it play into the bigger picture of like growing my practice and my brand? Yes. But like when I just sit down and make content, no one's paying me. Same with you. Mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, and and like you said, women now more than ever are turning to, to social media to find the answers. So I, I do want to acknowledge, like I understand why the limitations need to exist so that we're not blindly pushing formula on women and fully acknowledging, you know, that, that the benefits of breastfeeding absolutely are there, but it's so nuanced and it's so situational. And gosh, let me tell you a little anecdote too while we're here. So I breastfed our, how old is she? Eight year old for like, I don't know, 15 months or something. She had like a thousand food allergies. And I just was like, I'm not paying for Nutramogen. I'll just suck it up and eat like four foods for a year and a half. And (laughs) so dumb, so dumb. So I did that. And then our second baby, I, let's see, I think I nursed her for like nine months. And then I actually started getting really sick. This is right before I started, had my surgery, but like didn't really realize that that was what was happening. So I wasn't making as much milk. And I started supplementing her and my husband came in one day, bless his heart. And he said, I wonder why you couldn't breastfeed this time. And I was like, I'm sorry, where have you been for the last nine months? Like I thought I was going to lose it. But like that, it was like this whole vortex Mm -hmm. of like all of this stuff. It was like, he didn't mean to make me feel bad and shame and the thing. And I was giving her the formula and I didn't realize she also was allergic to dairy. And so she needed other stuff and she's bloody diapers and the thing, and she's losing weight and I'm going crazy. Anyway, it's a whole, I don't even know why I was telling that story. I just. (laughs) No, but that's true. Like, it's almost like moms feel like if we can't, there's, there's just, even when people don't mean to make us feel like failures, right? People like, oh. as close to us as our husbands, you know, right? That is what it feels like because the overwhelming message out there is that breast is best, and if you can't meet that standard, then are you really a good mom? I don't know. Yeah, like that's what it yeah. feels like as a new mom, and so I think there's a huge opportunity to for education surrounding things other than just breastfeeding. Because the other thing is too, is a lot of moms are doing a lot more than just staying at home these days. And even if they're staying at home, they might be managing the household and other kids. And there's just so many different things that we're doing. We don't necessarily have the opportunity to feed our baby every two hours around the clock if that's what they need. Even if that was what you wanted to do, you might not be in a position to do that. And that is where, you know, I'm, there's this book that I'm reading right now. It's called Why We Sleep. Have you heard of it? Yeah. 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 I have it. I have it's, not read it, but it, yeah, it it's is great. Really it, good. It's, yeah, yeah. It's great. And anyway, he, it's not an infant sleep book, but it talks about sleep and it's just validating everything that I already know. And he's got yeah. some article sites written by a PhD. I can't remember his name, but Sleep is so important to our baby's brain development, to us, to everyone. And when they are not, there's the difference between what a baby needs, what they actually need to not be failure to thrive and to actually thrive and grow, and then what they want. 
And those two numbers are two different things. And if a baby Mm -hmm. is not getting what they want, then they are probably not sleeping well because they might be hungry. And so that's where you really pull in that whole sleep side of things. And I'm not saying that you have to prioritize sleep, but for me personally, sleep is a huge priority in our house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge priority. And so that's another part of the puzzle. And I think moms sometimes feel like they have to choose between breastfeeding or sleep. Yeah. And usually there isn't, you know, usually you can exclusively breastfeed and still have your baby sleep at night. But sometimes, depending on many different situations, you may use formula as a supplement to prolong breastfeeding and still be able to breastfeed, but also be able to prioritize some sleep. So I just, that goes back to like plan A, B, C, and D. Like there's so many different yeah. plans. And and I think that is where a lot of the IBCLC community has, appears that they have a problem with the content Baby Settler puts out. I think some of the content, some of the comments were like, yeah, and she's a hardcore sleep trainer. Like I'm not a hardcore sleep trainer. I prioritize no. sleep. Yes, but that doesn't mean that I'm like telling you to shut your baby in your room and have them cried out all night long and see them in the morning. That's if you know anything about baby settler and what we, our core foundation is, that is not it. But here's the thing, Hillary. Do you know what? There's a shit ton of data to support sleep training. Yep. So, I mean, it, it you, mm-hmm. this is cherry picking at its finest. Yep. They're cherry yep. picking what they, their, their personal beliefs and their, they want to use data to data and evidence to support breastfeeding, which you can. And if you're going to do that, you also need to pick the data that supports sleep training and the benefits of that on your baby. But that's not what's happening. And that's really frustrating and, and unfair to women, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think one of the, going back to like the, what my intention was behind the, this collaboration with this formula brand is I've had a lot of growth personally in the last year, just really looking at overall health and wellness and what we put on our body and in our body and, Mm -hmm. you know, vegetable oils and all these different things. And I think some of the messages that were put out there in comments were all formula is the same. That Mm -hmm. is simply not true. Not true. It's just not true. Um, for many different, and for many different reasons, and we don't have to go into that right now, but it's like, that's not a true statement. And I think that telling a mom to do her own research instead of planting seeds and giving information so then she knows how to do her own research and has like a starting point is what my intention was. And I feel like that is the role of lactation consultants and healthcare right. providers that are working with moms and babies is instead of just handing out this percent. ready this ready to feed formula that your hospital has a contract with or that the rep has dropped off in your pediatrician's office I mean you give that to a parent and they just because you're in that authority position they assume that this is a good formula or like this is the best formula for my baby yeah and that may not be you know because yeah. you don't you want to you want to be able to give them a little bit of information so that then they can decide okay this is actually something that's really important to me i understand what you're saying here's some information now i'm going to go do my own research and that is that was my intention behind this collaboration with with this formula company 
And frankly, you know, we in higher education and medicine, I mean, you get some of it in nursing school, but then like with your master's and, and my master's and certainly doctorate level and, and physicians, one thing that you learn is how to correctly, mm-hmm. quote, do your own research. So do your own research for the general population means Google or the, like PubMed, mm-hmm. you know, at best, like, but I, I had a patient recently send me three studies that she was, I was asking about collagen or something. And I was like, well, all of these are sponsored by the companies that wrote them. And they are not the, the way the study is formulated is literally like this. I would never use this research. And so it, it is our job to, mm-hmm. to do the research for patients and not blindly tell them what to do or, or, or not, not blindly, but you know, well, sometimes you do have to have prescriptive authority with that, but that's between you and when that person becomes your patient, but just for the purposes of social media, like, no, it's, it is our job to correctly do research and present it as best, as best we can. So, um, yeah. And I think that, you know, the baby seller Instagram is a community that I cultivated over the last three years. And I've always given them my uncensored expertise. And if Mm -hmm. I'm not there to feel, to fill that gap, then, who is, you know, like, is there, and there, you know, other people may, but I think being that I have the credentials that I have, I have the experience and the real life, you know, and then also using my personal experience, people, like we said earlier, people are going to social media for information, health information. And I think pay aligning with people. If you don't like what somebody is saying, then you can choose to unfollow them. But I wasn't, running a paid ad for the Super Bowl for this partnership with this company. Like this was a community that is there because they trust what I say and they're choosing to be there. And the people that showed up are not not even part of that community. The people that had this overwhelming negative thing to say. And, and that's really, I care about my community. And, and so that again is why I am sorry for it not being transparent. And I do really you know, understand that that was a violation of their trust. And I, you know, I am growing from that and learning from that. But I think that there's just a, a bigger, a bigger issue here. I still personally disagree that you weren't transparent. You know, I mean, that's just my, my, my take on it, but I, I know you're, you're trying to to do the best and repair um, relationship with those who, who need it and and deserve it. And I totally agree. I don't think the people who are you know, supportive of your community in the first place need an apology, but that's just my, my take on it. But where, so where can people find you and your resources? So we are, I am at baby seller on Instagram at baby seller on YouTube and then baby And I do have a book that you can get on Amazon called babies made simple, or you can buy it directly from our website, um, baby But We'll link all that in the show notes. Well, Hillary, gosh, thanks again for coming, coming back. It's been so long. And, you know, since the last time I had you, your business has just taken off as it, it should because it's so needed by so many women. So if you liked this episode and feel like it might be helpful, please share it. As always, rate, subscribe. That's how we continue to get great guests. And I'll see you next week. <laughs>